In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One who comes to us and speaks well of us, despite how we speak of others who are His. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, it's good to be back. Um, I was gone last week, so if you were here, you, you uh, got to hear uh, Pastor Emery talk about all three of the lessons that we uh, that you read last week. Um, I'm not doing that. Uh, what we're doing is a sermon series where we're marching through the book of James kind of piece by piece. And if we did that piece by piece thing with all of the different lessons, you would be here until the Clemson game. Um, and, and you don't need that. So uh, we're going to specifically drill down into the book of James and... It's in your Celebrate insert, uh, that thing that I booby-trapped the bulletin with um, that falls out all of the time. <clears throat> it's in there. Um, it's also in your Bibles if you brought those along. Um, and if you have a Bible on your cell phone and you want to look on it, uh, look at it there, that's fine. Um, uh, people that are behind people with cell phones, just make sure that they're not checking Facebook. Um, and saying, we'll, we'll all be happy. Um, and we're going to jump in at James 3. Um, uh, last week, the reading was from James 2, which was that kind of sticky reading about faith without works is dead, um, that Lutherans are always a little bit allergic to. Um, and thank goodness that I missed that. Um, no, no, actually, um, it, it's very important. If you have questions about that, um, please do talk to me afterwards. Um, it, James is saying something that is very rich and beautiful in that, um, and, and if you do have questions about what is being said in James 2, I am always available to, to talk to you about that. Um, but this, specifically this morning, we're going to jump into James 3, uh, starting with verse 1, and he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And so what James is doing is he's already setting up for you that there are some consequences to using language. That the way in which you use language actually has an effect on not only other people, but on yourself as well. And so what he's saying is that you will be judged with greater strictness if you're a teacher, but that's not where it stops, because we know that we have at least two commandments in the Big Ten that are all about how we use our mouth. One of those commandments is the second commandment where it tells us how we are to speak of God and speak to God. You shall not use the name of the Lord your God in vain. Which is a commandment that is all about language. And that's in the first table of the law. The table that tells you stuff about what it means to have a relationship with God. But there's also a second table of the Ten Commandments. Which are the other other set of commandments that talk about your relationship with other people. And so then you get into the Eighth Commandment. Where it says that you should not bear false witness against your neighbor. And what he goes through in there is actually how you are to speak well of your neighbor and how you're supposed to use your mouth when it concerns your neighbor. And so James is just starting it off here saying this is important stuff. There are consequences to the way in which you use your mouth. There are consequences to the words that you formulate, not only when you're speaking out loud, but the words that you even formulate as you're sitting here today, thinking to yourself and using those words that you have 
in your brain. That there are specific things that happen when you begin to use that gift of language. And that that gift of language is actually a gift that is given to you that is a very special gift. I don't think any of you probably got up this morning, had breakfast with your dog, and discussed what was happening in the Middle East. Because your dog can't do that. At least mine can't. If your dog can, um, I'd really love to have a conversation with your dog. Or your dolphin. I guess they're, they're kind of the closest one, right? Yeah. Uh, like, that's language. Um, okay, we're, we're good. Um, uh, but it, it's a special gift that is given to you, and it's a gift, though, that also is something that can go wrong pretty quickly. And that's most of what James is going to be talking about. So we move on from verse 1, we go to verse 2. He says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Uh, I, I probably haven't said this before, but one of the things that I really appreciate about James, the the writer of our epistle here, is that he's sarcastic. He's he's almost assuming that you're going to come back at him and be like, no, I can bridle my tongue. Yeah, I I can do that. I, I I, I don't speak bad words when I'm in church or in courtrooms or, uh, see, so I'm bridling my tongue. And James says, well... If you could really bridle your tongue, then you would be a perfect man. And if you or woman. And if you were perfect, well that would mean that you would never sin. So how many of you have sinned? And all of us have to go, okay, yeah, me. And so he says, see, so because of that you understand that you can't control your tongue all of the time. That sometimes you kind of fall into some, well, not great language use. And that doesn't just mean saying a bad word when you hit your thumb with a hammer. It also means saying things that are ugly about other people. You hear me, Republicans and Democrats? It means... That sometimes you're going to sin. And it's not necessarily going to be with any other part of your body than the part that puts words together. And that none of us escape from that. Because none of us are perfect. And so he goes on to show exactly how imperfect we can be. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. Your tongue can be... It can has absolutely exponential power in it. And if you want proof of that, just think back to the last time that somebody said something about you and it ruined your entire day. Think about what words exactly they were that ruined your entire day. And think about how long it took the person to say those words. Say, dummy, you're idiot. 
say ugly. It doesn't take very long for us to get those words out of our mouths. But once they're out, they sort of take on a life of their own. And they can damage our lives and they can damage the lives of other people. And so even though those words that come out of our mouth are very small things, just like that rudder is a very small thing, it can direct a very, very large thing. It can direct somebody's life. It can direct your life. If you're saying those things, maybe you're not even saying them about somebody else. Maybe you're saying them about yourself. Maybe you're saying, I'm an idiot. Or I'm ugly. Or I'm not worthy of this. If you really start to listen to those words that you're speaking to yourself, or if others listen to those words you begin to see the exponential effect that they can have. And it ain't pretty. And so James goes on here. He says, uh, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of life, and set on fire... By hell. It's almost as if he's saying, the way in which you use language, that if you're speaking to yourself, that's one thing. But sometimes you speak to other people, and it shows the stain that's on the rest of your soul. That if you're one of those people who goes around gossiping about other people and saying how ugly or cruel or whatever they are, that it actually shows that there's a stain deep inside of you. And that there's something inside of you that's trying to cover up that stain, but what you're in fact doing is continuing to make that stain go in deeper and stronger. And that your tongue can do all of that. And so, for some of us, we begin to think, well, maybe, maybe if, if, if I can, I can just, you know, maybe not say anything at all. Maybe I'll become a monk and I'll join a silent order. And that's not necessarily a bad idea. Some of you should consider the spiritual gift of shutting up. Um, and, uh, and sometimes that is a good practice to get into. But there's something that's even beyond that. And that's what he's going to get into in just a little bit here. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now, 
Now, some of you had tried to train your tongue, and some of you have actually done pretty well in that process. You've been able to be sort of sanctified in that, and that's been great. Um, I'm one of those people. Uh, Throughout my undergraduate career, I was a bartender, um, and let's just say that my language was uh, salted um, uh, while I was there. And and, uh, Because when you're working in a bar in small-town Nebraska, uh, your language sort of meets its level. Um, and, and the level is, it uses a lot of four-letter words. And so uh, when I left in order to go to the seminary, I found out that, well, you know, maybe some of those words aren't going to necessarily be looked upon as um, kindly as what they were in my little small town bar. And so I began to try to train my tongue to not say horrible things while I was in the presence of other seminarians. I was not able to, you know, use my knowledge of how you can use those four-letter words as every part of speech. So, like, nouns, verbs, adjectives, adverbs, conjunctions. Yeah, you you can do them all. But I learned that 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 probably wasn't the best thing. And I also learned that uh, when I didn't use those words, that it was actually a good thing. But I still find today exactly what James is saying here. That I still fall into traps of using language in the wrong way. I still fall into those four-letter words every now and again. Because you can't tame it completely. Because you're not perfect. Thankfully, you know someone who was. What James goes on to say here, uh, with is, that's our tongue, we bless our Lord and uh, Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. What James is pointing out here is that sometimes we we do exactly what I was talking about. That we realize that in certain situations that we have to clean up our act, and so we do that. So, when we're here in church, it's been a long time since I've heard anybody drop the F-bomb in church. Um, I'm not saying it's never happened. It has. Uh, But it's been a while. And people kind of get that. They're like, okay, yeah, church, I shouldn't do that. All right. Um, But then they go out, and uh, throughout the rest of their week, it is on. And you hear it in their language all of the time. And you go, what? That's kind of weird. And then sometimes when people come here to church, they, they, they kind of do this like, oh, I love everybody thing. And then when they get out of church, then they start talking about people. And that's really more of what James is getting at here than necessarily the cussing side of things. It's how you're using your language to beat other people down and to curse them. And to make them seem like less than what God sees them as. And there's a natural disconnect there. And it's a disconnect that actually ruins your whole life. Because what he says next is, From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. 
You know what happens when you mix salt water and fresh water? You get salt water. You know what happens when you mix blessings and curses? You get curses. That if you're trying to use your language compartmentally, that's still going to turn out being a bad thing. Yeah, sure, you might say some good stuff here and there. You might bless some people. But in the big picture, you're still a sinner. You're still a sinner who, under the righteous judgment of God, God should say to you, You are damned. But, you know a Lord and Savior who did something special for you. This week, I had the opportunity to go to prison. Um, They let me out again. Um, uh, as you can see, uh, I, I was in there to, to visit an inmate, and while I was there visiting this inmate, he told me this really interesting story about something that had happened with him recently. He got a new, uh, got a new roommate uh, in in prison, and um, uh, he was kind of joking about him and, and kind of complaining a little bit. He was like, "Oh, the guy's a slob, and he's much younger than me, um, and, and you know, it's just not going real well." Um, and you know he's uh, he's definitely sort of flamboyant, um, and uh, those are the kind of guys that get picked on in prison. And uh, and the, even though this guy was having a problem with his new roommate, he knew that he was the kind of guy that was going to be teetering on the edge of being bullied, which happens a lot in prison. And this guy, this inmate that I was visiting, is a big guy. He's like 6'4". And other prisoners around are just kind of uh, intimidated by him physically. And even though he had this problem with his new roommate because he was sort of a slob and he was kind of annoying and, and all of that, what he did was he went out into the rest of his prison dorm and he told everybody cell by cell by cell that he could. Look, that kid over there, he's my roommate. Don't mess with him. And because everybody else was intimidated by him, that kid's not going to get bullied. That's what happens with you and Jesus. That Jesus comes to you and says, You're mine. You are my son. You are my daughter. And that's what matters. And sure, you've got sins that I could call out, but I'm not going to call those out. Instead, I'm going to speak well of you. I'm going to speak forgiveness to you. And so that matters in our lives because now we get to walk up to the very throne of God and know that when we get there, Jesus will speak well of us. When it's time for judgment, He'll say, They're mine. And that will be the end of that. And it means something for you today.
It means that every one of you that was in this room, when we announce the forgiveness of your sins, it means that Jesus came to each and every one of us and said, You see that person over there? They're mine. You better not mess with them. I love them so much. And so, as you go about your week this week, maybe some of you should probably just start off on tier one and talk less. But if you're going to make it to tier two, do it this way. Speak of others, understanding what He spoke for you from that cross. Amen.